Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money with Ron Hebert, the financial coach, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gordon Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We started a series in our last episode, Ron, for new investors, newbies if we want to call them that. A lot of young people out there are, are finally at a point maybe in their life where they've got a little extra money. They want to invest for their future. Hopefully they've been listening to Making Money to get some good sound advice. So we ran down a list of, of how to sort of get started to give yourself a decent platform moving forward. But we also said we'd help them try to find where the landmines were buried because there are some mistakes you could make, correct? And there's mistakes that most people make. So these are not errors that happen once in a while. These are how errors that happen most of the time to a lot of newbie investors. And so if you want to be successful, you've got to navigate your, your way around the landmines, as you put it, because if you don't, you're going to blow yourself up, and then you're going to say, what's the use? I'm no good at this anyways. You're going to stick it in the corner for the next 20 years, and your head's going to come out of the ether when you're in your late 40s. And then it's really, really difficult to start saving if you start late in life. And stocks have been one of the ways that uh, if you look at real estate, you look at bonds, uh, you look at precious metals, uh, the star over the last three decades has been stocks by far, where you're going to get great returns. And so if you listen to last week's show, and if you're just tuning in, go back and listen to last week's, because we talk about how to start a stock, start a stock portfolio, start building a stock portfolio, and then we give you a model portfolio to look at. So it's a good example of how to get yourself started. Okay, so here's the first rule, the first mistake that most new investors make. They trade too much. If you take a look at, there was a recent study that I looked at of people that trade a lot versus people that just typically buy and hold for a longer term. Over a 20 or 30 year period, the outperformance was like 6 or 7% a year. Most of us are not George Soros or Ray Dalio. And of course, these guys have been lionized as, and their techniques of, of how to make money is to trade lots. And if you trade too much, there's two things that most people aren't aware of. You're going to pay a lot more tax if you actually make money. And number two is the fact that if you watch when the ticker comes across the bottom of the screen, you'll notice that there's a buy price and there's a sell price. And there's a gap in between them. So if you bought a stock today at 44 and a half and you wanted to sell it, well, you're probably going to get 44 and a quarter if you sell it right away. Now, obviously, if you wait some time, that's going to move the price around. But that gap is the spread between the bid and the ask or the buy and the sell, and you pay that to a trader or a market maker every time you trade. And the more you trade, the more that spread builds up. In fact, that spread is generally a lot more than you're going to pay in commissions at a discount broker. So taxes... And the spread are the two things that if you trade a lot, unless you're a genius, are just going to chew up all your profits. Okay. Other mistake that so many investors, new investors especially, or even seasoned investors make, are too few holdings. Now, the last survey I saw was probably 15 years ago. But uh, they did a survey of, of how many securities an average investor has in their portfolio. And I think it was three. And you just don't get enough diversification. And generally, because investors get enthusiastic about something, 
If they're excited about oil, they're going to have three oil stocks. If they're excited about technology, they're going to have three tech technology stocks. So they're going to pile into one area and one area only. But to get diversification, you need eight holdings, and you need them across different sectors. So you, there's the financial sector, there is the manufacturing sector, there is the resource sector, and there is the consumer sector. And as we talked about yesterday, you want to have the bulk of your portfolio in the more conservative stuff, the financial, the consumer, and the industrial, and maybe a little bit at a certain time in the economy in the resource sector. But diversify, put 30% in consumer, maybe 30% in financial, and then put maybe 30% in, in industrial manufacturing. And that's a good foundation for a portfolio. So number two and number three kind of tie together. Too few holdings, not enough sector diversification. If you're all piled into one sector and that sector gets hit, let's take, well, oil and gas is a good example. You, you, you've taken a big haircut here, so you got to spread it out a little bit. Number four is that a lot of investors think they can outperform the market. And you take a look over the longer term at mutual funds. And of course, mutual fund managers are professionals. And 10% of them over the long term, and often even less, actually outperform the market. If you can get 7, 8, 9% a year and you can get it compounding, that is a very, very good rate of return. And so if you want to try and outperform the market, which is very, very hard to do, it means that you're going to have to take on substantially higher levels of risk. And with those higher levels of risk, obviously, come higher levels of potential loss. And that's usually what does investors in. Uh, they have one success and they figure, well, I can beat the market. Then they get more and more and more aggressive until finally they go over the waterfall. And, uh, and they're not in a barrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not in a barrel. A good way of putting it. Too many people follow the herd, correct? You know, you look at the top of the 2020 market and everybody was piling into tech stocks that had absolutely no earnings and most of them had no possibility of ever even having sales. They had no real business plan. And of course, that market went over the edge and uh, the NASDAQ market dropped almost 90%. So that's not to say you shouldn't buy tech stocks, but you should try to buy the companies in that sector that actually have some real fundamentals to them. And of course, the herd gets really, really excited. And if you look at the market in 2000, it's where the small investors started piling in. They started piling in during the last year. Now, during this bull market, guess who's showed up over the last six months? The little guys. And there's an army of them that have been buying crazy things. In fact, the Securities and Exchange Commission had to step in because they were trying, they were, they were hyping the fact that people should be buying Hertz, which was a rental car company that was going bankrupt. And if they went bankrupt, shareholders would have got nothing. So at the end of a bull market cycle, you find the little guys piling into stuff they really don't understand. and They're going to chat rooms and they're going to social media sites, and they're listening to all kinds of advice. And I've been to a few of these recently, and the advice, frankly, is BS. <laughs> so be very careful as you get toward the, especially the end of a cycle, because the herd is going to take you where you don't want to go. 
Something we've talked about recently here on Making Money relating to the herd was the cannabis stocks, right? Exactly, and frankly, that is a good show if you want to know how a bubble builds. So we did a two-part series on why cannabis fell apart, and we compared it to the end of the prohibition back in the 1930s, and the parallels are eerie, how much the alcohol stocks went up and how much the marijuana stocks went up, and then the subsequent crash afterwards. And so you want to be very, very careful that you don't follow the herd, because most of the time when the herd arrives, it's like everybody moving to one side of the boat just causes it to flip. Number six is base... Too many people base investment decisions on gossip and hearsay. They, they don't do any research. They don't do any homework on it. I can tell you the times where I heard someone who had, after work, they'd gone to the bar, and they were standing there with their friends talking about the market, and one guy would say, oh, you got to buy this, and you got to buy that. And they'd phone me the next day. And they'd say, well, my friend said, I should buy this, and I want to buy it. And I said, well, what do you know about it? Well, really, when they, you questioned them even a little bit, they were buying it because their friend was buying it. They knew absolutely nothing about the company, about what it did, about what its financial situation was like. And you really need to do your homework before you buy things. Just don't base them on on gossip and hearsay, especially from friends who probably know as little about investing as you do. Okay, we talked. We sort of touched on this at the start of our, our last show on being a newbie investor. A lot of people run out and they'll borrow money to invest. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and of course that's a, that magnifies your gain. I mean, if you have, uh, if you buy a stock for a hundred bucks, and you put fifty in and you borrow fifty, well, if it goes to two hundred dollars, well, you've made an incredible profit. But if your $100 stock goes to 50 the bank's going to want its money back, and you end up getting wiped out. So just remember that profits and losses get magnified when you borrow money to invest. And especially if the investment doesn't turn out right away, the borrowing costs to invest are higher, 5 6 7%. And often, you're going to end up, especially if it's a four- or five-year turn before this thing turns around, or it ends up going down to not, virtually nothing and you end up waiting it out, well, you know, five to seven years, you can end up losing half your money just in interest costs. So it's got to even go up more to break even. So be careful. Never sell their losers. They, they get stocks, they watch them go down, they say, oh, it's going to come back, it's going to come back. Sometimes you have, to, you have to bite the bitter pill, don't you? Generally, you want to go through every year and do what uh, I recommend. It's called tax loss selling. And that is to look at your portfolio, and if you've taken some gains during the year, clean out the losers in your portfolio. You'll often see someone with that has some really good stocks, but they've got a dozen or so of companies that they've had for 20-plus years, and the value has just uh, gone to nothing. You know, when things start going down, it's, don't you're, you're not marrying stocks. This is not something where you walk with the, your future spouse to the altar and you say, forever we're going to be together. This has nothing to do with stocks. With stocks, if they start going bad, remember, the football rule. When it's third and ten, you punt. 
Okay, number nine is too many people invest in things they know nothing about. And you, and you touched on that when you get advice from a friend, right? You Yeah, or, or you know, you see something on TV where a guy, guy builds a glittering story for something, and uh, especially technology stocks where they describe uh, infrastructure development. They use all kinds of, of terms like we get, we're better at networking, we're, we're, we improve this, we improve that. Well, what does that actually mean? What are they actually selling? And if you're listening to this and it sounds good, but you have no clue what they're really talking about or what this company actually does to generate revenue and income, stay away. Stay away. Okay, number 10 is taking on too much risk. And here again, people have way too little exposure, diversification. They have too much money in one sector. They borrow money. Uh, they make all kinds of mistakes like that and so they ended up with high levels of concentrated risk and they've got nothing to balance it off so when the sector uh, sours and goes down because typically when you finally hear about it if you go back and look at the chart you probably have seen that it's already had a big run very seldom do you get in at the bottom floor most people find out at the end of an information chain not at the beginning so just be careful about uh, taking on too much risk and piling in because you, you're, especially if you're doing risky investments, you want to buy on rumor and sell on news and not just continue to hold and hold and hold. Okay, this last one's a little bit of a two-edged sword, I suppose, Ron, because we're giving advice here about investment, but there's a lot of gurus out there. I use air quotes around that that are supposed investment gurus. Those are the ones you really got to be careful with, right? Generally, they're making predictions on where the markets are going to go. So they're not saying something. It's like if you buy Royal Bank and then add to your position every time it gets cheap and hold on to it for 30 years, you're going to make money. Those aren't the type of predictions they're making. They're saying that uh, next year we're going to have a depression or uh, the economy is going to uh, grow or the Canadian dollar is going to be at this level or interest rates uh, are going to come back, or gold's going to go to $10,000 an ounce. Well, the gutter's literate with all of these gurus, and generally, if you look, if you go to uh, gurus.com, there's a number of sites that you can go and look at, and they track how well gurus have done. Just Google performance of investment gurus, and you'll come up with a list of websites that show an actual prediction and how well it worked out. And generally, these gurus are, are right less than 50% of the time. So they're, le they're right less than the probability of flipping a coin and getting a heads or a tail. So just be very, very careful, because how these guys market themselves is generally the more outrageous the prediction, uh, the more media coverage they get. And the more media coverage they get, the more it sells their speaking tours, their books, and all the rest of this. So just be very, very cautious about investment gurus because generally their overall macro predictions are not nearly as good as they tell them to be. Okay, so there you go. That's where the landmines are. Keep your head up. If you're a new investor, a newbie, as we like to say, we've given you a roadmap here to sort of how to get your feet underneath you, build a solid platform, and move forward to some financial prosperity a little later in life, and that's the goal. We've often said, Ron, we, we ask for questions from our listeners, and this one, um, <laughs> we got one from, uh, from Brad, 
Been a long time listener. Uh, I'd like your opinion on good fixed investment options for investing in right now with the recent correction in the markets. There appear to be good investment opportunities in equities, but along with that, the fixed income opportunities don't appear to be very good. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, they aren't, are they? Well, no. Fixed income investments are not a good place to be right now because uh, you take a look at, at even 30-year bonds, you know, you're, you're, you're just getting nothing. I mean, the, the Alberta government, for example, just issued a 100-year bond. 100 years, and they got 3%. That's it. You can go to countries like Italy. You can go to countries like Greece. And you're getting virtually nothing, even though you're taking on extraordinarily high risk. Right now, if you're looking for fixed income, one of the best places to buy is just the humble guaranteed investment certificate. I bought some GICs just the other day, and I was getting between 1% and 2%, and that was going out 1% to 2 years, not long. But frankly, that 1% to 2% was far better than I could get on even corporate bonds that had you know, a triple B credit rating. So they weren't even triple A like a GIC was, and they were paying less in yield. So if you're looking for yield right now, it just isn't there. And trying to push and take lots of risk by buying junk bonds, you just want to be very, very careful doing that because the yields just do not compensate you for the risk you're taking. And sometimes when it comes to investing, the best thing to do is find yourself a nice soft couch, crack yourself a 30-year-old single malt scotch, <laughs> stretch out, and enjoy yourself. Just take, take a vacation from investing because sometimes there's just not a lot to do. And right now in fixed income, you don't want to be creative. You want to be very conservative and just wait. The opportunities will come with governments creating so much debt and sticking money in people's pockets. You're going to see higher levels of inflation. I mean, the government spent just $300 billion here over the last couple of months, and that trend isn't going to stop, and that is inflationary. So we'll see higher inflation, and with it, you'll see higher rates. So the opportunity to do something will be there. You just have to be patient and wait. And as we've talked about, if, if you have some cash sitting and you, you're wondering what to do with it, uh, you know, look, look at something that pays a dividend, right? Look at an equity that pays a dividend. That's probably a much safer place to park it right now. Well, it's certainly, uh, if you look at some very, very high-quality companies, and especially if you're using a strategy where you buy a bit and every time there's a pullback, you buy a little more. We've had a pullback here in March, April, and it looks like we might get a, a second wave of coronavirus, and that could create another opportunity shortly. So just be patient. Take your time. Just invest when you strategically get opportunities. And over time, you're going to build yourself a very nice portfolio. If you have a question, you can reach us directly through our website, letsmakemoney.ca, or you can also go to the cfcw.com website, and uh, the show's called Making Money. They'll get to us there as well. Ron Hebert is the financial coach, a longtime portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We're back next week with another edition of Making Money. We will talk with you then. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.